I'm going to hang up in FaceTime and then call you again in Messenger. Um, oh, there's a phone. <laughs> I was like, where's the call? How you make calls. I was like, where's the call? Probably where the Probably phone is. Probably in the phone. Probably in the phone. Oh, so now we get this good uh, dialing B-roll. Yeah, so uh, we love to hear it. No answer. Anna, what's that about? Hi, I'm Rachel Dispenza. And I'm Lauren DeLuca. We play together in a band called Coping Skills, through which we realize that we enjoy riffing with each other just as much as we do riffing in our songs. <laughs> so we're taking out the songs, and we're just going to riff at each other. Great! <laughs> this, this is, is more, more Talk, Less Rock. We ready? Here comes the show. Anna Ladd doesn't do anything half-assed. As a teenager, she became interested in art. So, naturally, she got a BFA in photography at University of the Arts and a master's degree in civic media at Emerson. Anna hosted multiple gallery showings in various apartments, including a solo exhibit called The Artist is Present, where she unabashedly invited museum curators from all over to come to her home. They didn't! But she continued working as a freelance content creator and soon landed a job in digital marketing. When she moved away from Philadelphia and longed for a point of connection to her old home, Anna got into sports. So into sports, in fact, that she makes frequent trips from New York to Philly on Sundays just to watch the Eagles games with her friends. She's also been written about in multiple publications regarding her love of Gritty, the Flyers' new mascot. She has a tattoo of him in a cement bucket. She started making her own podcast, OK But Who Cares, in 2017. Yes, that's the name of the podcast. After creating a few seasons on her own, she entered Gimlet's Casting Call Competition, a contest aimed at finding the next best podcast host. And, of course, she won. The prize? Her own miniseries, sponsored by Squarespace. You can listen to that podcast, called So Help Me, now through Gimlet Media. But we're not bringing Anna Ladd, who we adoringly refer to as a shining star, on today to talk about any of that. Anna's here to discuss the one hobby she started with the notion that it was something she didn't have to excel at, playing music. Hello, Anna Ladd. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello. How are you doing <laughs> Thanks today? Thanks for guessing me up in your intro. I'm good now. That made me feel good on the inside. Yeah. Was that good? <laughs> yeah, you're a shining star. That was all Rachel. Thanks. They did a great job. <laughs> Great, great work on the introduction. Good first. We intro. write bios now. <laughs> we write, we do not our own, but for other people. Yes, please um, do press kits. Yeah. The, well, the most important question that I have today so far is, how did the Eagles do? It is a um, Sunday. Uh, the Eagles did very bad. They oh did no! So bad. I like so. I I drove back from my parents' house today, and I was coming up seventy six, and. You know, you see the city skyline and the buildings that can be light up in colors were all green, and one of them had the word eagles going across. So I was like, oh, I wonder how the birds are, assuming it was positive. No, no, you just have to have 
pride uh, in the face of um, adversity, you know? Rip. <laughs> well, yeah, no, the first half of the season was like they didn't have a defense, and now the second half of the season is like they don't have an offense. And it would be great if both halves could be good at the same time, and then they could perhaps score a touchdown. <laughs> but alas. <laughs> Do you, you, should, you should be the coach, right I think. <laughs> perhaps <laughs> even sometimes prevent the other team from scoring touchdowns. Just, just, just a thought. Just an idea. And if they're looking for a wide receiver, I could I could play. I mean, if if I was a, a player in the NFL, I would simply score a touchdown. <laughs> it's as easy as that. <laughs> I do take pride in the fact that I am I am bigger than the Eagles kicker. I am taller than him and we weigh the same. So I could kick. But I'm not very good at kicking. Well, I feel like those aren't the same thing. What aren't the same thing? Being able to kick and being good at kicking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, anyone can kick, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, but think, like, I can learn. I've kicked before. Right. I'll kick again. Right. And I am, according to the statistics, as big enough to kick, assuming they also exaggerate a little bit so that he doesn't seem so small and an easy target. In, like, every uh, movie where it's like, the girl plays football, <laughs> they're always just the kicker. <laughs> Or, so they don't or get the hurt. Quarterback. Yeah, so they don't so they you know their fragile bodies do not get hurt. <laughs> well, Anna, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. We're gonna talk I about music now. My delicate lady hands can catch a football and play the guitar, just so everyone knows. Okay. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> when did you first start writing songs, Anna? Well, the first songs I ever wrote was when um, Avril Lavigne put out her first record. I thought it was great. I was eight years old. I mean, you thought correct. (laughs) Yes. And I I rewrote the whole thing to the tune of all her songs, but my own lyrics in a Word document. Um, Do you remember any... Do you have the Word document in question? No. When my parents, like, switched computers at some point, it was lost to the void. But there was this, a special songwriting document that I, like, saved in a series of folders so no one else would find it. Well, the world feels this loss. I know. <laughs> I certainly do. Oh, my God. Can, Can you, you elaborate more on... I know that we've talked in the past about how music is the one hobby that you have that you don't intentionally seek out being the best at. Like, you don't yes. have to be the all-star of music. <laughs> I can, can be simply simply average. You, you can you can just play it <laughs> and have a good time. Yeah. Okay, can you elaborate more on on why music specifically is that thing for you and like how you came about finding one thing that you were like, you know what? I just want to do it to do it. Yeah. I I like I had always always wanted to write songs and play in bands and stuff. But in high school, I I started like going to shows and I determined I could never perform in front of people too scary, too hard. I'm not very good at instruments. Um, So I taught myself photography. Like that's how I like learned how to take pictures was by photographing bands. I was like, oh, this is how I can participate in this thing that I care about. Um, But by the time I was uh, in college thinking I was going to do photography professionally, it sort of sucks the fun out of it um and it I don't know I kind of felt like art school and just generally like working in the creative things that I used to think were fun didn't feel as fun anymore and I was like I just need a creative hobby that I don't have to be good at so I can feel how I felt when I was like 12 and really into fallout boy like I just wanted that like sort of like pure 
fun, like doing a new thing sort of feeling. Uh, so I wrote some songs. That that story arc is so... I mean, I know that we both know we've walked similar paths, but hearing you yeah. talk about it and thinking about my own journey where also my first lens into participating in music was taking photos at shows and then like yeah. going to college originally for photography and digital media and realizing that when it's a job, it really sucks. It also <laughs> makes a lot of sense too. Like if you find yourself getting like stuck or frustrated with one artistic outlet like pick up another one that you don't really know anything about and are not very good at and embrace sucking at it I, like, I didn't it never had occurred to me that I could be not good at something and still do it um until big things yeah <laughs> I, I think it was the fr- like the front bottoms I think I was talking to Chelsea about the front bottoms when she was like well he can't sing but he does it anyways and I was like I can't sing I could do <laughs> I could do it anyways. <laughs> Some like stars aligned in your head. You're yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> the light bulb it also comes on. Made, it was like, and it was just so low stakes. Like I wrote a song and it wasn't very good, but nothing bad happened. It was just like I wrote a bad song. <laughs> and that was that. And it, yeah. that was it. <laughs> and that can be it. Sometimes that is it. Yeah. Um, for your your first album, The Cancer of My Tongue Behind My Teeth, which on Bandcamp, you say, is a continuation of the personal music video for Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy that I forced my brother to film when I was eight, <laughs> which I just, like, wasn't going to bring up, and then you were talking about Let Go, so it, it felt necessary. Um, as far as that album goes, like, I think almost half of it is um, spoken word with guitar underneath it. Is like, was this part of a shift from writing poetry to doing songwriting? What was the decision behind kind of doing both on the same record? Yes. So before I wrote that record at all, I wrote a whole spoken word record, which is no longer on Bandcamp, um, because I was very scared to sing in front of people, and I had already written a bunch of poems that I was like, I could just adapt these to guitar and have this be like an on-ramp to performing without having to do the other hard scary part which is singing which is singing so (laughs) singing is scary it's very scary more childhood stories when i was in the fifth grade i had a solo singing somewhere over the rainbow in the chorus concert and forgot the words and walked off stage crying so and like (laughs) was like i will never do that ever again yeah Um, (laughs) i feel like like if you aren't a good guitar player people look at you like oh you just aren't a good player like you haven't practiced or you're Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but if you don't sing well, people are like, oh, you have a bad voice and don't look at it yeah. as something that you have the ability to improve in the same way as like playing an instrument. And it's also more just like inherent to like who you are as a person because it, it comes from you as opposed to like, yeah, oh, you can kind of project that failure onto like this instrument that I'm holding as opposed to like what is coming out of your body. Yeah, this is it my feels identity. A lot more personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It felt like a, it ex- like a, a judgment of me if I was not a good singer, like I was like born incorrectly, so I couldn't do it. Totally. Yeah. But when in fact I have like I end up I practice singing way more than I practice playing the guitar. And now I think I am better at singing than I am at playing the guitar. Amazing. Who would have come full circle? <laughs> yeah. an, an inspiration to us all. Yeah. Not that I ever got particularly good at playing the guitar. I wanted to get to the point where people who don't play the guitar think I know how to play the guitar, but anyone who knows how to play the guitar would be like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> that's that's where I like to sit in, <laughs> with my instruments. Yeah. 
I love that. Fake it till you make it, baby. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I know you, Rachel, too, are like, um, like a thing that you and Anna both have in common that I never really, like, got into somehow is, like, internet poetry. And, yeah. Like, and, like, but, like, f- both, like, finding a way to, like, you know, transition from, like, you know, writing poetry and, and finding a way to turn that into, into music. And yeah, this I podcast is very is, interesting. Is not a Tumblr denier. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget the years on Tumblr. No, I had, yeah, I had my own Tumblr poetry blog. I did too. You did too. <laughs> we were there. And it was like a therapeutic way to kind of make that jump over. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I feel like I have followed the the trajectory one follows in, in media is that you write Tumblr poems and then and then you write prose and then you write personal essays. And <laughs> somewhere in there, some of those get converted to music and then you just kind of pretend it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty real. <laughs> Somehow I can never forget. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of my favorite songs is actually is, um, Punk Time Makes Me Nervous, um, off your second record, Pity Party. Oh, Um, I don't know, you usually both have, like, a soft spot for that. Oh, for yeah, that yeah. I, 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 I still feel the same way every time I hear that line. Yeah. Because Punk Time makes yeah. me incredibly nervous. Yeah. I mean, definitely want to know, sad. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think... We were both interested of like, was there a specific show that you were at that like made you feel that feeling or is it just like uh, an amalgamation of, you know, music in general? Just like, just like spill, spill some tea. Yeah. Spill the shit here. Spill, <laughs> spill the shit on, on, on Punk Time Makes Me Nervous. So Punk Time Makes Me Nervous is a song about woke boys and being in a room full of them and they think they're woke because they let you be there. Um and how that's very annoying. And when I first started playing shows, I noticed that I was often getting thrown on a bill where it would be like, if all everyone who sings is not a man, even though all of our bands were of like very different genres, styles, and it was like, oh, they were just like, it's ladies night. And we're going to throw <laughs> one of these every six weeks. And it's called being inclusive. <laughs> And it token girl, yes, <laughs> yes, and it made me feel tired <laughs> in such ways that I, it I was like I'm doing this like dumb shit for fun. It to me felt very like specific to. It was like if I can't pretend I didn't say any of that. It's like if you don't sound like Haley Williams, they don't really know what to do with you, so they just kind of like sure l- yeah. l- lump yawn in, and they don't consider the fact that your music does really sort of like have a genre and have a voice of its own, and might perhaps people of all genders <laughs> play different styles of music. I don't know. So Unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> this was a song about um, being included in a way that made me feel uncomfortable. There was no specific shows. It was just kind of like a, a bunch of them happened over the course of like my first six months performing or so, where I was like, I don't think anyone's listening to what I've written. I think they just saw Anna Ladd and they were like, she is a girl. This will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got points tonight for seeing a girl play music. <laughs> I can ascend into a new layer of punctum. One hole punch That's on pretty, the feminist card. <laughs> uh, 
Do you get a free girl after I 10? Know, like, I don't understand. <laughs> if you see, if your you see 11th girl is free. T- 10 women perform, do you get an ice cream? Do you not have to book one for three months? Like, what? how does it you work? I think woke, you, you get, get to see points. a whole show of all cis white men again is the prize. <laughs> Uh, a prize where nobody is a winner that's just the reality yeah (laughs) yeah and also there was i also felt as though my music was never loud enough for men to feel like they had to listen to it so if you're like the quietest one on the show that's like oh we can talk over this one it's fine did you experience that even when you had a backing band of all men nope (laughs) interesting interesting I felt as I felt as though the men paid attention when I played with men. <laughs> how did Shocking. that make you? F- how how did that make you feel? Like not only to include other people in the songs that you wrote, but then to experience such different results depending on whether you were there by yourself or whether you had three men on stage with yeah. you. Yeah, it's weird because I still feel my music sounds the most like my music when it's me and an acoustic guitar like there is no other setup where I feel like the songs sound like I have written them um it was definitely kind of scary to try and teach people the songs especially because I was like playing with people who were like musicians by trade so to them like the structure of a song is like notes and chords and <laughs> times time signatures and things that I like am aware of but do not consider when writing these songs which are mostly adapted from poems so I would be like, so I'm just going to play it for you and y'all can figure out what the chords are and what you want to do. I don't really care what you do. You'll just make it louder. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you want, if you think there is a moment that you enjoy where perhaps something else interesting could happen, sure, let me know. Um, and I was lucky in that I never felt like they were like overpowering my songwriting choices or whatever. But it was interesting in that like it would be a totally different crowd if I played with men and then I would get a even if I just played solo with an electric guitar I get more cool set dudes afterwards rather than just playing by yourself with an acoustic guitar yes it's like they don't know what to do with it the second it's quiet in in that vein of like working with other people and bringing or or bringing others into your songwriting and and your music uh I put out your third record. You did. The <laughs> Boulder in My Belly is a Peanut Butter Jelly, um, the, the now defunct Citywide Records <laughs> label. R.I.P. Power. Um, what was it, like, in terms, because in the past you released music pretty much whenever you wanted to, which is one of the advantages of just doing everything yourself. So what was it like to share the songs before uh, you were going to put them out and, like, bring somebody else into the release process and have to wait yeah I it was definitely different because usually the second I'm done with the record I'm like great I'll just upload it now like there's not really a lot of marketing happening in my (laughs) in my process um but it was it was fun to sort of like conceive the tape and how it would look with someone else and have like feedback about whether like like the vibe of the whole thing matched what the songs were, if that makes sense. Like you were like, you Mm -hmm. were like a vibe check for the boulder in my belly. I love being a vibe check. (laughs) Um, Putting that on my resume. (laughs) Professional vibe check. Um, And it was all, that's the first record where I um, used like an interface, like to record it. Like I didn't just record straight into my computer. So I felt like I had to um, write, better songs and like have it sound better because 
you were releasing it. So I didn't want it to, it's, it's very easy to be lazy and not care if you're releasing something independently. So it was fun to be like, okay, I'm going to learn this new skill. And then we're going to make like a, an actual finished product instead of being just being like, this is, this is fine. I could maybe write more songs, but it's just going to be done. Um, so I enjoyed that. Yes. Oh yeah. I like never, uh, I think that is interesting where like, as soon as you bring other people into the equation, it like totally changes your perception of what you're doing or what, what you think you're doing should be. Yeah. I think we've, uh, maybe like experience that a little bit with like the music that we've done too. And it is like kind of wild how that changes your perception of, of things that like you like have lived with for so long or like these songs that you've written suddenly, like they can seem like not enough or like you need to be doing more. Like, even though you're just like doing the same thing you've always been doing. Yeah. It's a lot of, I definitely like listen to, to it front to back way more than I've listened to anything else I've put out. Like, to be like, is Even this like a record? Yeah, it's like, is this the right order? Like, are there weird mouth sounds that I need to cut out of this that I would usually ignore? Like, those kinds of things. But it's also like, it's, it's, my, my perspective here is that I started it because it was okay to suck, but I'm also okay with sucking less. Like, I've very much enjoyed, like, you can hear a progression from record to record that I think is very clear. And it's fun to take this as like a slow learning process and to have, it putting a record out with you was like a push to like plug in the guitar to an interface and (laughs) and make it sound better (laughs) it truly is all about moderation i think because like based on who you are as a person um there is a certain sense of never wanting to be like truly truly awful at literally anything yeah and that is okay too but just being being okay with being just okay is such an important skill to learn. And it's not easy if you are incredibly type A to just be like, you know what, this is good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's like I need it, I need a break from being type A, but my taking a break is still an activity. It's just an activity <laughs> that, that I don't have to be that good at. <laughs> yeah. It's a lower stakes activity. <laughs> yeah. Uh would you talk a little bit about um uh natural selection specifically because you did you have natural selection one and natural selection two um and what is the the relationship between the two um and kind of your growth between the two yeah so natural selection was the first song i ever wrote with singing in it and i wrote it for my dear my dear friend Lindsay woodack on her 21st birthday um i did know that (laughs) (laughs) one mutual friend Lindsay woodack (laughs) If you know Lindsay Woodack and you're listening to this podcast, please write into our email, moretalklessrock at gmail.com, and let us know how you know Lindsay Woodack. <laughs> we got it. Um, but Lindsay and I met our freshman year of college, which I would consider to be a hot mess express time in one's Woo-hoo! life. Um, not, not just for Lindsay, but for all of us. Whomst among us was not terrible at the age of 18. So <laughs> that is a song about getting fucked up and about being a fuck up and sort of like nostalgically (laughs) replaying these garbage things you've done. Um, And then natural selection two, I wrote, I guess three years later I had finished college and I had moved to the middle of nowhere and I was like sad and tired 
And I wrote it about being sad and tired. And it's like my body could no longer handle the fun things. So even if I wanted to have fun, I couldn't. Um, and I, I love – I've done this a couple times where I've rewritten old songs because I – I want to hear how they sound now that I'm like better at singing and playing the guitar and recording. So this was also just like a, like a, a person, a, a personal exercise. exercise to see like how, how would this sound now that I can plug the guitar in? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Did you find that there, there was a significant difference or were you like happy with how the two of them turned out? The The first one is very silly in that the third, there's, there's not really a chorus. There's just kind of like three sections that are all the same thing. And honestly, the, I say fuck a chorus. Your classic fuck a chorus. AAA. <laughs> it's, it is an AAA song. And the third A, I just like go. T- I don't think it's halftime, but it, it, it's, it's the breakdown. It's just slower <laughs> generally. And the first time I played this with other people and I got to that part and I just like slowed it on down without any sort of explanation as to why or how slow it would be. They were like, well, how are we supposed to know how slow to go? And I was like, you just have to feel it. <laughs> Just, just wait. Let me give me a few bars. I'll figure it out. I'll set the pace. Um, and the second one, I just recorded to a click, so it made more sense. And you, you know when to slow down on the third one. Honestly, we we've had similar. Uh, I'm not going to call them struggles because I do appreciate a time change in a song, but we definitely had. A uh, similar experience with a couple songs on Worst New Music where we change the tempo, but we there's one specifically where it just speeds up at the end, kind of without rhyme or reason. And so we literally just had to live track it with, uh, with Sam in the room all together and just look at each other and feel it out <laughs> because it there was no good way to keep... Uh, it's simmering. Oh, okay, yeah. Because um, there's no way to... Like, we could... If we just kept a bunch of different tempo markers and pro tools with a click or whatever for like that. We could do it. would it. feel so robotic and it, you would lose the point of the swell. I don't think it would have Not that it's same. anything incredibly special anyway, but just like to really dive in on that would feel not good. Yeah. I think it it definitely if we had to try to stay on a, a click that was getting like incrementally faster, that would have been more of a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and also like learning to play your songs to a click and record them to a click and like write to a click and think about tempo is like a huge leap. It's hard. Yeah, it did not come naturally. It's no. Well, totally no, you think you have you think you have an internal sense of rhythm, and then you realize you do not. It seems intuitive until you try to do it, and then you realize it's not. Yeah, because I don't. I still don't even write to a click. Like I just, I in my mind every time I'm like, this is great. Like this is on. <laughs> This is on a, a beat of sorts. And then when I sit down to record it, I have no clue what to set the tempo to. And then when it's set to it, I realize that like half the song is off in its own fucking world. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I guess I'll be reconceiving this. <laughs> um, in In Capitalism. Yes. You say, and I quote... But I cannot be as bad as the 21 pilots and lots of people like them. Uh, we really would like to know why specifically you chose 21 pilots. Not nece- like why you don't like that band, but also why that band was the band to choose for that moment in the song. Um, so the sense of I wrote that 
part of that song separate from the rest of it, thinking it was going to be like a interlude of sorts before it became the dramatic ending to capitalism. So you had just that line with nothing else as an interlude track before it became part of this track. Yeah. Why does nobody listen to my band? I know I'm not that good, but I cannot be as bad as the 21 pilots and lots of people like them. What's going to be its own 30 second power ballad. (laughs) I like am lifting my arms in the air as if you just scored a touchdown. That's um, I am I am really glad with how that line sits in that song. But if in the alternate universe where you where you did the thirty second interlude, I it would have been incredible. Yeah, Look, I want to hear that. I, if one day you decide to make it or yeah. have already made it and want to just send bring it that way. back for your next release. But actually, next re- next record, I'll just release it as an interlude and call it a reprise. It's fine. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> that's yeah. That's Nailed just it. how I write songs is but this song that particular line i at the time was commuting about an hour and a half each way in massachusetts and i was feeling very creatively unfulfilled and very angry at people who appeared to be creatively fulfilled that i did not like the things they made so it was um (laughs) heathens the song came on on my ride home and i was just like exhausted and furious that such a song existed that is that a 21 pilot song i literally know nothing about 21 pilots except that it's two guys it is and it's 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 two dudes and it just offended me it's very existence offended me (laughs) so i wrote a 21 pilots diss track in the car um (laughs) that i later realized really couldn't stand alone at this point in my quote career so it became i guess the bridge capitalism it's an incredible part like it, it really gets is. me every time thank you really fun to sing along to yeah i think that is one of your your best constructed tracks thank honestly. you i i really like that song because i i think we are um often told we're not supposed to be angry and petty and at that time i was just feeling really fucking angry and petty and <laughs> I'm usually not in touch with those feelings, but I let them all loose in that song. Yeah, and you can feel it. Yeah, every line is is dripping with sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) I was pissed off, and that is when I feel like the live recording of it I like so much better than the recording I did. I feel like I still cannot capture live acoustic guitar me in recording me, but alas, one day, maybe next time (laughs) you just get a crowd of your peers. To watch uh-huh. you record it, and 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 you'll get that energy of performing live as we're all watching you and yeah. cheering you on. Oh, that would that would be wholesome. It can Perhaps be arranged. We know some the, people. <laughs> I have a few friends. <laughs> we have the technology. We do. It's true. Honestly, twenty twenty, whatever the record is, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, in in the vein of reprising a song for another record, mm-hmm. um, in. In your most recent album, We Know How This Ends, uh, Row Home, the song Row Home has a lyric that quotes that previous record, The Boulder in My Belly is a Peanut Butter Jelly. Um, did you have the song Row Home written when the Boulder album came out? Or like, like how did you decide to quote that record in a song on a different record? Um, I had written a song called The Boulder in My Belly is a Peanut Butter Jelly, which is nothing like Row Home, but I cut it from the record, but I liked the name of the song, so I just named it the record that. Um, and I I, I kind of like to be a... I, I feel like part of my work 
like across sort of all the things I do. Um, I like to like reference it. I like it all to sort of be under the same umbrella and to be made by the same personality, I guess. Mm hmm. Um, Your songwriting persona. <laughs> yes. And the Row Home is about um, change, <laughs> one could say. and <laughs> One could say that. <laughs> and I wanted to like, and I felt like it sort of like encompassed about two years worth of changes. So I wanted to like point back to like the last time I wrote songs. That's how I felt. And then this is how I feel now. And I feel like a completely different person. But here I'm going to throw it in there anyways. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good explanation or not. But I, uh, it's, no, I, I, yeah, I quote myself in my own stuff fairly often. I think you should be allowed to do that. Thank and you. I think that's very interesting. Are you like, it, it's all kind of circular. How you can... Self-referential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how you can like pull things from you know, previously in your life and, and bring them back in the future and they can still apply or still not apply yeah. or find a way to work them in. That's and I like that if someone knows me from one of these facets, that if they discovered the other one, it would feel like it's made by the same person. <laughs> it's like a little Easter egg. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love an Easter There's egg. A- <laughs> me too. I- <laughs> it's like a fun callback. Yeah. You know? I love a callback. My favorite, but like horribly dark Easter egg that I've I've always said that like if anyone points out that this is there, I'll just like give them all the shit for free. But all the shit is free anyways. Is that <laughs> in one of the songs on Pity Party, I quote the suicide note of the guy who owns Kodak. I don't wait, know. wait, wait! Oh I know what it is. I know what it is. I can tell you what it is right now. And <laughs> to I, my I, friends, I, my work here is done. Why wait? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is like. I don't even remember what class I learned that in at UARDS, but it has never left me. I think that is a... It was photo history, and it really stuck with me, and no one has ever noticed that it's in there before, so I wanted to throw it out there. Wow, I feel like a bad friend now. (laughs) Obviously, I love that. (laughs) It's just such a baller move. Like, I'm not advocating for suicide of itself, but if you're an old dude like George Eastman Kodak and you've accomplished everything you want to in your life and you feel like you have nothing to live for, you're right. Why wait? To my friends, my work is done. Why wait? It's yeah. It, it's a fucking line. It's amazing. Wow. It's I a sentiment I can relate to. I didn't even know he committed suicide. Uh-huh. That's how far removed I am. <laughs> but I love that. This, this is the useless knowledge one acquires when they have a photography degree. <laughs> Yeah, not useless. I love that. I I went on one one whole date this summer, and the guy was from Rochester, and he was trying to hit me with like Rochester fun facts, and he was like, "Oh, like Kodak," and I was like, "Oh yeah, I do." Do you want me to recite the suicide note of of the guy who owned Kodak? And he was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I put it. Sponsored ad. If I had one, sorry. Lost the happy, but the happy's back. It is also funny that at this point in my life, a lot of people I know don't know that I even ever studied photography. So really? they're like, yeah, which is weird. I was at a picnic over the summer and this dude brought a um, uh, little, not the Polaroid, the Instax camera. Yeah. And was like showing it to me and like explaining to me how it worked. And I was just sitting there and I was like, I'm not going to flex right now. But I'm just going to sit and smile and nod. No! 
That was a flex zone, Anna. Yeah. You could have flexed. It doesn't need to be mansplaining the camera to you. But yes, there is a level of pretension that is um, knowing how a Polaroid camera works physically. And then there's a level of pretension that's not liking an Instax camera because you think the film is too contrasty. And that's the level I'm at. And people don't need to know that about me. (laughs) (laughs) It is a high contrast. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see more midtones. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, just uh, uh, to depart a little bit from talking about your own music um i'd love to hear a little bit about like what what is the music that influences your songwriting um and is that like the same or different than than the music that you find yourself listening to all the time i do a weird thing in that when i am writing songs or i am writing words i do not listen to music or listen to podcasts or like do a lot of reading in that couple month period because when I'm doing that I just write exactly like whatever I'm listening to or whatever I'm reading Uh, and I just accidentally write songs that already exist and then I have to scrap them so (laughs) when I'm writing music I kind of turn off music for a couple months at a time Um, but I do I started like writing music um, listening to a bunch of sort of like the adult moms where it was like they had written a couple records solo like in the home, like very DIY and then started playing with a band and like recording at a studio and touring. Like, so people who like follow that progression is what I listen to a lot of um, because I feel like I hear the same progression in myself and I like to see it and hear it, how like other people make that leap from like very crunchy DIY to like (laughs) listenable DIY. (laughs) And, like, how do you keep, like, that sort of, like, loving, like, the, the loving quality of, like, it being kind of bad, but but it sounds more listenable. Do you feel like bad songwriting is more acceptable when the recording quality is bad? And so it's kind of a safety net to record something in a more you know, DIY format because it's like, oh, this doesn't sound great. It's really lo-fi. So it's okay that this person is still figuring out or learning versus like not great songwriting being super polished as if somebody who's just starting out is like, oh, but if I put all of the best sounds on it, it will mask the fact that the songs aren't very good. Does that make sense? Yeah, I definitely feel like I am attracted to that, like still just learning phase of people's songwriting because it's like I put off quote real recording for quite a while because I felt like I would sound stupid if I was playing like dumb bad songs but it sounded polished and then I realized that nothing I could do at home will ever truly sound polished so it's fine (laughs) but (laughs) yeah I and I'm also just like really in any creative thing I've done like in photo too like I'm just not that excited by the techie parts of it and I know some people are really into that and they're excited about gear and pedals and these things and if that's like where their fun is and where they're experimenting is like great for them they should do those things whether or not the songs are good even if it's a crutch I don't care for me personally that only stresses me out tech things so I would I kind of enjoy living in the world where I can sense that other people are also stressed out by those things yeah, it, it is. I feel like there's a a barrier to entry with techie things, yeah. too, where you're automatically made. You can be automatically made to feel stupid for not already knowing, which is prohibitive to learning. 
there's like yeah. a certain point too where I feel like almost leaning it more into the not knowing just to be spiteful. You know, and what edgy I mean? and cool. Oh, totally. It becomes a cool guy thing where it's like, <laughs> oh, I don't like, have any classical training. I don't care about tone. Like, <laughs> yeah. Though I do, I part of me feels like it's a crutch, sure. Part of me feels like it's a rebellion and that people who are like really, really, really like good and fancy at music then write stuff that sucks and is weird on purpose, but it's yeah. okay because they quote know what they're doing, but I don't get, I don't get to write music that sucks. I mean, I do write music that sucks, but like... I felt less afforded the ability to write music that sucks than perhaps a man or someone with more experience. Yeah, it's like you're only allowed to do it if you're doing it consciously and on purpose. Right. Or if you can explain what you did to get to that point. Right. Versus being like, oh, I just put this next to this and it sounded cool to me, so that's what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is oftentimes more interesting or, like, figuring out how to get somewhere, like, how to get to an end without really knowing how you're going to get there, mm-hmm. but still managing to do it. You're like, oh, that's cool. But then it's like, if you knew what you were doing the whole time, it's like, well, <laughs> where's the like fun <laughs> Right. <laughs> People who already know the notes are just cheaters. <laughs> Set it here first. <laughs> but, like, on um on the boulder in my belly, I played all the bass on that record, and that was the first time I had ever touched a bass. And I didn't know – I thought – so I, I figured out the notes to play by pulling up one tab that had all the notes on the guitar and one tab that had all the notes on the bass. Amazing. And I figured out, you know, I would play the chord on the guitar, and whichever was the highest note that I had a finger down for on the guitar – I would then find the correlating string on the bass and play that one. Whoa. Um, and I was not informed until long afterwards. It, you do that with the lowest note in the chord. I was just oh about God. to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I was to be like, you, cho- you chose the high note. That's Yes, That's because I, I, I can't really hear the low note, the low one, so I just like picked the thing I could hear easier, and I was like, great, this is how you play the bass. But this that's is so fun. But that's, that's like, interesting, though. Yeah, because it's like a person who like, you know, a bassist would, like, play the... The would, root note. Yeah, would play the root. But then, like, because you didn't know to do that, you ended up doing something that I think is more interesting. Yeah, it was like, I know the bass plays something analogous to the guitar chord. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is honestly which is. enough knowledge to get you through. Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the record again soon because now I'm really curious to hear how the... To, like, focus on the relationship of the bass parts to the guitar parts. Yeah, I, it's really obvious on Enough to Try, I think, is the one where it's like, <laughs> why is the bass higher than the guitar? <laughs> what did she do there? I think we need to take a moment to uh, address the the pop-punk-shaped elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? (laughs) Go on. Well, so, like, a lot of, I think, like, my experience with, like, music with you specifically was, like, the time when we all lived in the same house and listened to a lot of, like, pop punk and adjacent type music that, like, I was not very familiar with. 
and that you and Rachel and a lot of the other people we lived with were very familiar with. And I I don't want to take a moment to, 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 to talk about it. And um, if like that genre or that like style of songwriting um, had any sort of like conscious influence on what um, you were doing or even like unconscious, you know, listening back afterwards. Yeah, I... It's weird because I don't write music like the music that I grew up listening to, which doesn't make sense to me. But, like, from the time I have been, like, old enough to, like, buy CDs, it's always been, like, four-chord pop-punk music. I fucking love it. I listen to The Wonder Years every day driving to high school. And, like, a lot of that was why I wanted to play music, but I didn't think I could write songs like that. So I and I still really can't write songs like that. Like I've always wanted to, but every time I try, it's just like, it's like this does not sound correct. So I think one day I'll release a pop punk record, but that that time is not anywhere soon. <laughs> but it like really, it influences. I, th- I see a lot of it in like, you know, in like a wonder your song where they reference like specific people and times and locations that like, yes, no one outside. I of don't really, anyone I'll take your word for I, it. There. I do know. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, I don't know if that's, that's kind of just like a pop punk of that era thing in general is these like diary style songs. And I really do like intentionally use that in how I write songs. Yeah, I absolutely feel that. I think that's pretty clear in your work too. But uh, yeah, a lot of the music that we were both listening to in that era was confessional in a way. It, yeah. it was very much like here are the things that I'm very specifically experiencing in great detail. And I want to tell you about all of them. But I think as far as like, song structure goes you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus outro or whatever like Uh that's not the way that either of us really write consistently no despite having listened to so many songs like that in our formative years god forbid i write a song more than two minutes long like that's not (laughs) happening that'll be the day I'm lucky. I'm lucky if there's a, re- a, a chorus that repeats. <laughs> and like stylistically, it's very different too. But definitely, like lyrically, I, I think I said this before. The front bottoms, like right when I was starting to write music, was who I was sort of like initially like. Okay, I think I could write a song that sort of sounds like that. Yeah, and I think of of, of all of these bands, that's the closest one that I can think of. Like you write in. And I don't know shit about folk punk is what I will say, but like it, it feels it has that that feeling to me, you know, and part of it's the acoustic yeah. guitar and part of it's the, the pacing of it. But just like the energy and the emotion that you're bringing to the songs you're writing to me feels like what I imagine folk punk is. Yeah. I have a real soft spot for folk punk in a non-embarrassing sort of way. Like my first, my first like quote punk show was that I went and saw AJJ in high school, Incredible. and I like drove down, drove down to Richmond with my friends, and we went to the Canal Club, and I was like, "This is so cool! Like these are like real punks." Yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> like they popped trains or something. Yeah, they sure did <laughs> or something. And they, they they were playing with like an I think it was still before this might have even been before the like the first like full band like electric guitar record that they had like an upright bassist on the stage and I thought it was so fucking yeah. cool. <laughs> Whoa, really? Yeah. I think this was before Knife Man came out because I yeah, it was, I was 16. Amazing. Cool. Well, Anna, thank you so much. We're going to move on to do 
a couple quick fire questions where we're just going to oh, ask boy. you questions. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am aware of the kind of questions you're about to Thank ask. You. Yes. <laughs> Lauren, would you like to start? I would love to start. How has living in New York changed your relationship to the Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> um, I am all the time surrounded by Giants and Jets fans. Uh, and I have to go to specific bars to see the Eagles play. I can't just go to any bar because people will glare at you if you show up at their Giants bar wearing your Eagles things. <laughs> um, but it has been fun to go to the Eagles bar because I feel like I'm in Delco. And that's fun for you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's only a couple hours a week. <laughs> uh, does punk time still make you nervous? Yes. No further elaboration. <laughs> what was the last time you paid $7 for vegan mayo? Um, Last week. I have a jar in my fridge right now. <laughs> uh, what advice can you give on turning a row house into a row home? Oh, my God. Um, Marie Kondo. Make sure everything you own sparks joy. <laughs> I think I need to do that really bad, and I've been putting it off for so long because I have an unhealthy attachment to literally everything I've ever owned. Well, my thing, too, is that, like, how do I know if something is sparking joy if, like... If I don't know what joy feels like? What what is joy? I don't know. I don't know her. Okay, so if you want to do a digression here, Marie Kondo says that you have to start with something, like, something you know definitely does spark joy, so you feel it, and then you, like, recognize how that feels. Okay. Um, and then you also are supposed to go by category. So clothes are first. And because usually people have like an emotional attachment to certain clothes so they can tell, like get like attuned to joy mm-hmm. through their closet. Mm-hmm. That's my Marie Kondo soapbox, which I will promptly step off now. For more info on that from Anna Ladd, go listen to her <laughs> podcast, So Help Me, through Gimlet Media. <laughs> uh, Episode two. Anna... Would you like to play a game with us? Yes. This is a game you're familiar with. It's called Tag Yourself. Okay. <laughs> you are familiar with the game, yes? I have indeed been on Twitter.com <laughs> before. You're online, right? Yeah. Um, Very. So I think today we're going to use a couple of license plates that I saw on my drive back from Rochester today. Okay. Lauren has not yet heard what they are. Yeah, so you, you told me earlier that you saw a couple of funny license plates and... You were like, I don't know if I should tell you or not, because I think it would be great if we did it for the podcast. You should hear for the first time. And I'm I'm very excited to finally know what these license plates were. So, so I think I'm <laughs> okay. I'm going to say what they are. And Anna, you should make your deduction on which of us is is which. And you can also say so if all- you are one of them, you can also be one of them. But the main goal is for you to decide which one is Rachel and which one is Lauren. And then we'll we'll okay. weigh in on your thoughts. Okay. So this podcast is about us now. Yeah, it, it always was. <laughs> okay, now back to you. Uh, so the two license plates that I saw were share fan. <gasps> like, like C-H-E-R-F-A-N. Holy shit. And dad's third. <laughs> D-A-D-S three R-D. <laughs> And those are the license plates that I saw today. Okay, so can and, I can I comment a little bit? Uh, or no, or should we just not if it, I, I want to see what Anna says. Okay, and okay. then I want to know: Is Dad's third like? Do what do we think this is? Like, is this Dad's third car? Well, that's kind of is my question. That's open to interpretation. Dad's third child. Okay. I, 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 
dad's third quarter zip. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Marriage, perhaps. We just don't know. Um, dad's no, third I think quarter that's, life crisis. That's up to you. And however you want to interpret it as far as we go. Okay. Well, to me it, here, um, Lauren is share fan and Rachel is dad's third. <laughs> Would you care to explain? And most of that is just a gut feeling that I can't really explain. <laughs> That's mostly what Tag Yourself is about. <laughs> yeah, it really it is. is a, it is a choice made on instinct. However, I will say that um, between the two of you, Rachel, you have more of a dad energy. And Lauren, you have more of a share energy. <laughs> For example, we took a picture at that baseball game in which you truly look like you are our father and we're your scrappy <laughs> gang of children. I'm also cradling a beer. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm a dad. <laughs> And Lauren, you strike me as someone who would retweet that share tweet that says, what's going on with all one word, my career? (laughs) Share is so good on Twitter. Share is the best user of Twitter that there is. Um, I have to agree. I I am inclined to agree. Maybe not for the reasons that you said, but I I did have the same gut feeling. The reasons were secondary. Um, I... If we go dad's third, as in dad's third child, I am my father's third child, whereas Lauren is not... Oh, you're, you're not the older twin? No, I'm the younger twin. By like a half an hour. I took my sweet ass time. Um, whereas Lauren <laughs> oh is dad's second child. I am dad's second child. Um, and there though I am... I do love share energy, and like... I mean, we've all... We, have we all seen Moonstruck? But share in Moonstruck is kind of... I don't even think it's goals. Cher is incredible and I support her and love her. But I feel like as somebody who would be an honest Cher fan, it would more be Lauren than it would be me. I agree with that. Yes. I am. Yeah. I was interested to hear what your, what your take on dad's third would be, (laughs) but I'm glad we, we decided first and then discussed what that actually is. Yeah. Well, it could be many things. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm contextualizing it this way right now because it's easy, but I think Anna's right, and I do have some dad energy. You do. It's true. Uh, though I also have some chaotic share energy. Also very true. <laughs> <laughs> One could say that you both contain multitudes. <laughs> One could say that. <laughs> One could very well say that. But I just feel like as far as license plates go... I can. I mean, Lauren has considered getting an Enya license plate, so I feel like that's just one step away from Sharefan. <laughs> okay, I what what do you want it's on like this? It's like a degree of separation. I know. I like and like. I really considered getting it like a week before I totaled my car. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm glad that I did it. But now I want another car just so I could get the license plate. It's still available. I check periodically. Good. Do you just want it to say Enya? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just straight up, I just want it to say Enya. I love like, that. Like, no bullshit. Just, like, I just want the people to know how I feel, where I'm at. And it is Enya's number one fan. And you need to get it before someone else claims it. So know, Well, now that the public knows my plan... Can you get a license plate without a car? Like, can you just register a license I don't, plate? I don't. I think you have to actually. I feel like you have to have a vehicle. Car. Yeah. But if anybody who listens to us grabs that license plate, we will know and we will find you. <laughs> no, I think maybe you can just get a Sufjan one. I'm thinking like maybe now I 
should have just gotten the license plate because then I could have just taken the license plate you could have off just the held car, onto it, yeah, and then I could have just had it. Yeah, it's really what I want. I don't it's, even need a car. I just want to have the license plate. plate. <laughs> I mean, you could just go on Etsy.com and order a decorative one. That's a good idea. I might look into that actually. Though <laughs> so it is less official. Yeah, so up to I know, you. but I think the joke is you could too also funny seal to the deal with a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I just get a tattoo of a license plate that says Enya. <laughs> Not even an Enya tattoo, just the <laughs> and, and your license yeah, exactly. tattoo. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a treat. Thank you so and, much for and for being me. our first podcast interviewee. I'm so excited to hear it. How did we do? I think you did great. Thank you. Thank you. You asked good questions. You did your research. I, we actually did do our research. We didn't just know all this stuff because you're our friend. Wow. <laughs> we went through the band camp. Why did? <laughs> Why didn't you know it all already? Uh, <laughs> why aren't Why aren't you familiar with my remarkably extensive "Who the fuck asked for this repertoire" songs? I don't have a good answer to that. Uh, yeah, I just don't have. It. I was gonna make it an "I contain multitudes" joke, but it couldn't find the punchline. You also contain too many multitudes, <laughs> and we couldn't know it all. This this past week, my producer was like, "Oh, do you want to stick one of your songs in the last episode?" And I was like, "Chris, you don't know what we're getting into." <laughs> <laughs> By asking this question. <laughs> which song, if you were to do that, which song do you think you would put in? Either the live performance of Capitalism or Jawline. Nice. Solid. Or we know how this one ends. I don't know. Yeah. That, this, the choosing exactly is the, the hard part. I was, like, I was like, well, what emotional backstory that no one would care about do you want me to connect to this podcast, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> and do you want me to explain all of them to you in great detail right now? I will. And he was like, never <laughs> We good. And then his eyes got really, really <laughs> wide. And he backed away slowly and you never saw him again. That is our relationship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if the people want to find you, how can they find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Lad to the Bone and Instagram at Breaking Lad. Lad is with two Ds. I am on Bandcamp at analad.bandcamp.com. And you can listen to my podcast, So Help Me, wherever you listen to podcasts, but they probably want me to tell you to listen to it on Spotify. <laughs> So do that. <laughs> or, you know, use your favorite podcast catcher app. If you're an Overcast stan, that's fine. It's on there, too. Just listen to it. Please. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of More Talk, Less Rock. Huge thanks again to Anna Ladd for not only being our friend, but for being part of this episode and and helping us from the beginning of creating this podcast. We really appreciate everything that you do. More Talk, Less Rock is recorded. Produced. Mixed. Edited. Uh, mastered. Released. Written by... Just literally all of the things by me, Rachel Dispenza. And me, Lauren DeLuca. Uh, and as always, we're, we're just, just happy, happy to, to be, be here. here. There was a line in the trailer where I said, please listen to it. I love attention. It's something I'm working on that was cut. No! <laughs> <laughs>